building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. Just before we get into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to our weekly devotional group. Just text the two words, Promise Keepers, to 31996. Every week you'll receive a challenging devotional that will inspire you to put your faith into action in the real world. Again, text Promise Keepers to 31996. And now, here's today's show. So Donna Rice-Hughes, it's been... uh... So good to know you. So good to become your friend the last couple of years uh, through CNP. And uh, you have such an amazing story. And it really is a story of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's a story of what happens when men don't act like gentlemen and, and, um, and use women. And it's a story of what an empowered woman can do when she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She could put that all behind her and really make a difference in the world. So... Um, I just want to clear the space for you to give us your testimony. So then that name, Donna Rice Hughes, the Hughes uh, is the married name, but Donna Rice, some people may remember that name. And so maybe just tell us about you getting saved, you being in the youth group, and then take us through um, the things that made you famous back in the 80s. Okay. Well, Ken, it's great to be with you. And I'm just really delighted to be able to, to share, to share with these men and and applaud all of you for what you're doing and, and calling these men to be servant leaders. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I was brought up in the deep South and uh, kind of a little all over everywhere, but settled in South Carolina. And I was very blessed that my mother was a wonderful, godly Christian woman. And she took my sister and I to church every Sunday, Southern Baptist Sundays, Wednesday nights, you name it, we were there. And I guess it was around the fifth grade. It was that time to walk the aisle and get baptized. And I always believed in Jesus that he was my savior and Lord. And so I did. And I actually kind of bribed my dad a little bit because my parents had a lot of struggle in their in their lives. And and I knew if my dad could just get saved, that everything would be okay. And so I told my father, I said, Dad, I'm going to join the church and get baptized. And will you come with me? And when, it time, when the time came, he didn't. And I went forward. And that just broke my heart. But I always knew the power of Jesus in someone's life. And then in the ninth grade, I really had a very personal encounter with the Lord. I was at a Cliff Barrows crusade for a Billy Graham crusade at First Baptist Church in in, uh, South Carolina, Dr. Ed Young, who's now in Texas. And, And I just felt the Lord calling me and I could not get down to the front of the church on my knees. And I said, Jesus, you've got my life. And I was just ecstatic. And I spent from the ninth grade really up through college years, very involved in the church and the youth choir and the youth group. I was witnessing to people, bringing people to church. I served as a summer missionary. I dated only Christian guys and I was saving myself for marriage and really just kind of doing all the right stuff. Top honor student, went on to South Carolina, University of South Carolina, cheered there, graduated by Beta Kappa, just really had it all going on. 
But there was there was something in, in my life that I didn't realize how it was going to impact me. And I was sexually uh, abused as a little girl by a neighbor across the street. And then later uh, in high school, a uh, uh, an associate pastor sexually assaulted me. And, and then later on, when I was uh, serving as Miss South Carolina in the Miss World pageant, I just graduated from college, and I actually lost my virginity at that point and was date raped. <clears throat> and that just sent me into this whole world that I never thought I would find myself in. I My, my boundaries had been shattered. I thought... I've lost my virginity. I'm used goods. I'm ruined. And I just, I went prodigal. And and I always say you don't get from A to Z overnight. You make these little left turns. So some of these little left turns have begun when I was towards the end of my college time. And I started dating some non-Christian guys. That's really where it started. And then one thing led to another. And here I ended up in this this situation where, where the date rape occur, occurred with an older guy involved in the pageant system. And so my 20s were, I was I was not following the Lord. I didn't have hardly any Christian friends in my life. I was living in New York and Miami and Europe part of the time. And um, around 1987, I ended up in a situation I never thought I could have ended up in. And um, nor did anyone who knew me uh, think that, that something like this could happen. But I, I met I met a fellow, didn't know who he was, sure did not know he was married. And I invited me out on a date and I knew he was somebody important, thought he had been a politician. I called my parents and asked them if they knew who he was. And my dad seemed to think that he might have run for president four years before, but wasn't quite sure. Of course, none of us had any idea who was married. I Even then, when um, I had plenty of uh, doctors hit on me, I was in the pharmaceutical business at the time, uh, that were married, and that was always the, you know, the, the no zone for me. And But anyhow, as it turned out, um, th- this man was planning to run for president. I did find out later that he was married. I saw him twice. And the second time I, I, w- I went to Washington, not knowing that a couple of girlfriends of mine had called the media and they followed me to Washington, D.C. And I had intended to say to him that I could not see him again now that he was clearly married and running for president. And anyhow, uh, the 1987 international scandal broke out and I was the young gal, 29 years old, caught right in the middle of it. And um, and the senator's uh, campaign released my name and information about me that was very private to the media. And I was shoved into a press conference not allowed to go home, and my life turned upside down at that point. And that was in May of 1987. However, God and Jesus, who I, I was very much a daughter of, of the King of Kings, and he, as the Good Shepherd, came and rescued me. I, My mom and my grandmother basically told me when I was being 
buffeted about in the media on the cover of magazines almost every day um, and newspapers all over the world in every language for about a year and a half. And um, it was it was a very abusive experience, traumatic. And but but early on, like the first month, my mom and grandmother kept saying, Donna, get your life straight with God. And I went, I was running from place to place, hiding from the media. And I, you know, I, I couldn't go to work and, and all of this was going on. And I went, God, what does God have to do with this right now? I'm just trying to survive. And it, God in his way, he, he had a friend of mine that I had known in high school and college in my youth group and in my, in my choir. She sent me a tape. And she smuggled it into me because it was very hard to get me on the phone at the time. And and she just played her guitar and sang these songs that we used to sing in youth group and said, Donna, I don't know if all these things are saying about you are true, but I know who you are. I know your heart and I know that God loves you and he has a plan for you. And God just used that to melt me. And, and so there I was at this fork in the road where there was God and his promises. And I knew if I chose him at that pivotal point that somehow he would cause all this to work for good. And this so, one, can I can I stop you right there to reset yeah. all this? Because I want to fill the back in a little bit. And because you're at this fork and um, it's really important that we get to the point that the at the fork in the road, it took someone to love you, not judge you, not put you down, but someone right. to meet you where you were. So you're this this gal who's raised in all the ways that that we're supposed to think that we're supposed to be raised, right? You're baptized, you get saved, good Southern family, all that stuff. You you're a cheerleader at University of S South Carolina, um, but along the way, you're completely betrayed by three men that you were supposed to trust. So a neighbor when you're a little girl, mm -hmm. your youth pastor, and then you're on a you're on a date and you get date raped and you've given me the the details of that which um it's just so sad and even that person afterwards you know he was just so terribly insensitive that he robbed something so viable to you and he was just a selfish pig of a guy he wasn't some rapist guy is the way you described it to me he was just a man utterly uh in his own world seeing you not as a human being but as a sexual object for him then you that puts you down a road of, um, man, I, I, I can't trust men. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm assuming this now, so correct me if I'm wrong, but these people you're supposed to trust, you finally just go off the way of the world in somewhat. And then you end up, um, Senator Gary Hart, who was really the front runner to be the Democratic nominee. So Ronald Reagan's term was going to end. He was this massively popular president. But everyone knew that Reagan really wasn't supporting George Bush in 1988 the way he should. So Bush was on a little bit of tepid ground there. And Gary Hart was really the guy who was going to be the Democrat nominee. Um, that's when this comes in. And the press just came in and devoured you because they blamed you. Despite all this talk we get, somehow it was your fault, this innocent girl, for destroying his his aspirations. And he actually tried to blame you. And you just, you were just a girl who was hurt, damaged, um, really seeking. And then the, in the last case here, this guy who 
could be the next president of the United States, he turns on you. And so this is what you've seen over and over and over again is men that you were supposed to be able to trust taking advantage of you. And so that leads you now into this tumult of a situation and you're going to go one way or the other. You're either going to, either the Holy Spirit is going to win this battle or Satan's going to win this battle for your soul. And what it took was a friend who didn't judge you, who didn't rush in and think she knew everything. And all she did was give you an act of love. She got you this tape of worship so that it could really get a hold of you and reset you. Is that, is that a pretty good summary of what you said? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I will make one clarification that the, the youth pastor, actually, it wasn't a youth pastor. It was a pastor at another church who was an associate pastor. So that, that wasn't accurate. But um, yeah, no, that's true. But here's the thing. What happens oftentimes with abuse and sexual exploitation is that the, the woman, it's usually a girl or woman, can go one of two ways. One, they can continue to trust and just have bad boundaries in that way, or they can shut down. I just continued to trust. And so those prodigal 20s, I ended up in a number of very unhealthy codependent-like relationships. So, so when the scandal happened, and here I am at the fork in the road, what was really interesting is everything I had thought I wanted, I was being offered on a silver platter. You know, Time Magazine, Newsweek, they, they came and they said, Donna, we, we will clear up your rep- reputation. We'll, we'll put great pictures of you out there because all the ones that were finding their way into the media were bathing suit shots that mm-hmm. photographers had sold, stories were being told, everything, even that picture of me sitting on the senator's lap. That was a personal picture that a friend got a hold of and sold. And so there was just betrayal, 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 and people making millions off of me. And so here I was, and 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 I had the opportunity to, to take charge and to, and to take hold of this, also make a lot of money and still take, in a way, the high road. And I just decided it was so confusing. I just went, I'm just going to say no to all of it. Because there was always an agenda by the media or by any almost any opportunity that came my way, with the exception of a few. And so I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, because this had never happened before. We see these things all the time now. But then the mainstream media in May of 1987 went tabloid. Even the media didn't know what to do. And everything went absolutely crazy and bonkers. And I was the girl caught in the middle of it. And so. So I came back to the Lord and I just, it was baby steps, one step at a time. God started surrounding me with amazing Christians, just kept putting them in my life, whether I went to California, which is where I went initially, I had to leave my job or ended up going to coming to Washington, which is another whole very interesting story that we don't have time for. But, um, but he just surrounded me and I stayed really front and center in the media against my will. Uh, as as the media's favorite punching bag, one reporter said, until Dan Quayle came along and this election was over, and um, and and I went underground for about seven years because the the exploitation by the media and by the people who were exploiting me in the media by selling pictures of me and stories about me, etc., was so absolutely devastating and traumatic. I needed to just drop out of sight, which is what I did. And seven years into this, um, God in his 
great sense of humor. I knew I could stand on the promises that he knew the plans he had for me, plans for good and not for evil to give me a future and a hope. I didn't know it was going to take seven years. You know, I knew that he would cause all things to work together for good to those who were called according to his purpose and that he was conforming me to his image. But little did I know that he would actually call me to work at a very young organization that was just getting started called Enough is Enough. And guess what? They were fighting pornography of all things, pornography. And the reason we want to get into that just after the break, I just want to go back and reset just one more time a little bit. Okay. Um, You were caught up. The reason that there was so much of a frenzy around this is that you had all these news stories hitting at one time and people who are our age will remember that you had Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, um, yours all kind of hit at the same time. And, and Jessica Hahn was, you know, there were two beautiful women in the, in the media at this time, you and Jessica Hahn, and you guys were polar opposites. She sold uh, her stuff to Playboy and, and, and she used that as the, the woman that had had an affair with Jim Baker. You were the sweet Southern gal that had been caught up in all this. Yet there was a feeding frenzy because this was all around the church. I mean, Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker, you all being Christians. And so it was like this spinning um, momentum of a news story that you just couldn't divorce yourself from. And so yet again, this story was way bigger than it should have been because of the bad behavior of Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, because people at that time, it was they were being hit all at the same time, and they really weren't separating one news story from the other, one person from the other. It was just all this whole stuff around the church. And well, so... There might have been some, maybe some truth to that. There was also the Oliver North Iran Contra. Oh, that's right. As well. And all this was starting to hit. But I think what made the story with me keep going is um, a number of things. People kept feeding it. Like, for instance, that that picture of the, the what I call the lap shot, you know, um, with, with, with the boat. A girlfriend sold that. Somebody I thought was my friend got a hold of that and sold it. You know, it's starting to die down. Then that happens. And then starting to die down. And then Vanity Fair does a big cover piece and Oprah cut. And so it was just kind of kept going and going and going. And then nine months into this, heart gets back into the race again. And now the, the price for me to talk was a blank check starting at a million dollars. And... Yeah, with uh, Playboy, they knew I wasn't going to pose or take my clothes off. They already knew that. That was a well-established fact. And they said, well, okay, we'll just do an interview like a Jimmy Carter Q&A with a nice headshot. And uh, we'll start at a a million. And basically, you've got a blank check, depending on what you're willing to say and to share, because we know it will be the best-selling issue ever in the history of the publication. And, And I just knew that I couldn't do it. And my sister said something to me at the time. She said, Donna, even if you do that, and it's a very tasteful, wonderful article, and you've got full editorial control and everything else, and there's a pretty picture of you, a nice headshot, um, there are going to be naked women in there. And do you really want to be in that kind of publication? I had no idea that later I would be, you know, on the front lines of fighting a lot of this content and that stuff was nothing compared to what's out there now. So, um, so anyway, uh, but God was just using all this. He, he never lets anything go to waste. 
And, um, but, but it did just continue. And, and again, even the experts said that this is one story that just won't go away. And, um, for various reasons and, and, you know, plus there were plenty of people selling pictures all the time, putting out another story. So it was just this continual fire because there was a ton of money being made. And when you understand that, that part of what drives the media and it started really then was selling newspapers and selling magazines and what sells this was selling and and even if they destroy lives Mm -hmm. okay so we're going to hit this break really quick and we come back i I do want to hear about how god um, brought the great mr hughes into your life and then hear about your ministry and what you're doing now to use what satan built against you to help women and to help men Uh, so we'll be right back Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities, like Promise Keepers, by crafting customized, innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan, utilizing business interests, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts, giving funds, and more. These donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org. Promise Keepers is back, and we're relaunching the stadium events that brought millions of men to Christ. Join us this July at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, for a men's conference like no other. Strengthen your soul with unforgettable worship led by top Christian artists. Form friendships with brothers in Christ that last a lifetime, and discover new tools and strategies that will empower you to follow Jesus more faithfully. Be sure to get your tickets before they sell out or find a simulcast location near you. Visit www.promisekeepersevent.com for the latest information. We'll see you this summer. So we're talking to Donna Rice Hughes, who has this this awesome story about getting saved as a high school girl uh, and the damage that had come from the misbehavior of men and being betrayed even by her own friends, but how the Lord in his grace then grabbed her and is now making her a warrior against the very things that damaged her before. I mean, some people, when they get hit and hit and hit, most people never like Donna. Um, some fold and some become soldiers. And she became a great warrior in, in, the, in the kingdom of Christ, man. And Donna, we are so happy um, of all the things that you're doing and how the Lord has blessed you since then. So tell us now, uh, go into um, your ministry, how you came to it and and what you're trying to fight now within uh, the forces of evil, really. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. So God never wastes anything. And one of the cries in my heart during that, that seven years underground um, and, and living through the, the initial year of that scandal that was so traumatic for me was that I, I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to be known for who I was. 
and what I had accomplished. I didn't want to cash in and make money. I wanted to take the high road and I wanted my pain to count for something bigger than me. Now that's a tall order. I didn't know how God was going to do it. So I ended up meeting a a, a lady and I, to come work for her. Her name was Dee Jepson. She was the wife of a former senator. And she had just started this organization, still small, called Enough is Enough. And at the time, in 1994, they were fighting pornography in the print and broadcast world in strip clubs. And I needed a job because I was moving to Washington to get married. And the only opportunities I had professionally were to be very public, to make a lot of money and to exploit my notoriety, which I didn't want to do. So I took the job, but the big green light for me with saying yes to enough is enough is Dee started talking about the harms of pornography. And I said, well, like what? And she, and she named a lot of them, you know, it, it, it basically can degrade women, can objectify women, um, it's highly addictive, et cetera, et cetera. But then she mentioned this one thing. She said, it promotes the rape myth. And I said, well, what's that? She said that when a woman says no, she really means yes, and that she wants to be violated. And when she said that to me, I knew that's exactly what the the, the guy that where the, where I had lost my virginity when I was twenty two. That's what he said to me when I said I kept saying no, 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 stop, 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 and and he didn't. And then later he called the next day and said I didn't realize you were a virgin. And I said, well, how? Can, I said no. And he said, but I thought you were just playing a game. And this is really what you wanted. And so that's God used that to say, Donna, this is where where I've called you. And and so two weeks into the job, we saw the beginnings of what was happening on the Internet. The hardest core pornography you can imagine back then. Very hard stuff. Um, You know, a lot of torture, a lot of violent content. I called it black market Pornography was surfacing on the internet. We started to see child pornography, um, uh, infants, etc., sexual predators using the news groups. The World Wide Web was still being developed at MIT at the time. And I went, aha, now I know I am here because I was a big believer in the opportunity of the internet at the time. And, and I also knew enough to know that the criminals and the bad guys use new technologies to... Uh, and exploit those new technology to, technologies to promote whatever it is they're doing. In this case, it was sexual predators using this, pedophiles, as well as pornographers and child pornographers. So they had this new medium. So that became my project, and enough is enough. And we ended up launching about a year later. Um, we had a big uh, event on Capitol Hill, and I am surrounded by members of Congress and the Senate and even the front runner for the Republican Party, Senator Bob Dole, in a room full of media. And and I introduced the topic of Internet safety, Internet pornography and predators. And I was Donna Rice Hughes at the time with my hair pulled back and glasses on. And nobody knew I was the same girl that I was Donna Rice. And, and so God hid me right in plain sight. And uh, I was scared to death. But I had the opportunity to do several hundred interviews before the media made the connection. I was the same person. And by then I was off and running. And here, you know, God's sense of humor humor got me back on the horse that threw me 
politics and the media working front and center in both of those arenas, which I've been doing ever since 1994. So we birthed the movement. Then we've done a lot. We've got a lot of laws passed then um, that were not, uh, they didn't stand up to Supreme Court challenges, especially the pornography laws, which is why we've got a rampant mess with hardcore pornography now. And so at Enough is Enough, I'm now the CEO and the president and have been since 2002. And we focus, we have a four-prong approach, Ken, uh, to dealing with this. We focus on prevention and protecting children and families from from the dangers and the harms by an open internet. Pornography is one of those. Sexual predators, sex trafficking, cyberbullying, et cetera, and on all the internet-enabled devices. And so the four pillars that we are working for uh, solutions within these p- pillars are educating and, and empowering parents and grandparents and, and anyone who is with that child so that they know what the dangers are and how to keep those kids safe. And let me just say this to parents and to all you dads and granddads at Promise Keepers, you're the first line of defense. This is so important because the enemy comes to kill, still and destroy. And he is doing this through through this sexual exploitation and all these different avenues. Um, the second pillar is the role of, of high, big tech and corporate America and what they can do and need to do to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And that's a whole nother uh, topic there. The third pillar is the role of government and law enforcement. So we're constantly working uh, to get new public policy in place and to get the existing laws that we have enforced. And I, let me just say something about that for a minute, because I know um, from you, Penn and Dr. Dobson and Josh McDowell, who's on my advisory board, and I agree with all of you, and I've been saying this for years, that the number one issue inside the church worldwide is pornography. And um, pornography really is, uh, pornea is sexual immorality. And so pornography is just the depiction of sexual immorality. And so there's a lot that falls under there, and there's a lot of sexual brokenness and exploitation, and, and which leads to my fourth pillar, which is the role of the church. And, and, and I really believe that if the church and ministries could be a safe place for people who are struggling in any area— doesn't matter in any area. I just call it sexual exploitation and sexual brokenness. So it can be same sex. It can be um, adultery, fornication, uh, abortion, uh, recovery, uh, pornography itself, child sex abuse, trafficking, you name it. Um, if It falls there. And, and I really believe that the Lord wants the church to be a place where people can come into the light and deal with these very real issues. Um, that are holding us back, I believe, is the body, is the body of Christ. And they're, you know, Jesus offers uh, abundant life. And even though the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he comes to give us life and life more abundantly and to set the captives free. So that's the, the fourth pillar. And we've developed even a, a, a program, a strategy for churches to adopt within their ministries to have prevention programs from 
early, early on up until much later, as well as recovery resources that we have aggregated from what we think is the best, the best out there and are just really encouraging churches to take this front and center because they can speak to these issues with the love of Jesus. And that's really key, I believe, to winning the war in the culture on the pandemic of sexual exploitation. I would have two real big questions, depending on where I stood. The first one is, um, for those men or women who are addicted to pornography, um, how do they get to your resources? How do they get to their stuff? Because a lot of them are feeling like, oh, I, I just can't. I, I've been, you know, I, I've heard talk to guys who have been addicted to pornography since they were 10 years old. Right. And they feel like there's no way to get out of it. Donna, how do they get out of it and how do they access your material? Well, we have two websites. The first one is enough.org. So just go to enough.org and there's a, a, a whole tab. It's called the Resource Center. And we have aggregated great resources to help, you know, different age groups, for instance, you know, deal with these issues and to come out of it. And, and here's the thing. And let me just talk a little bit about why pornography is so toxic and, and say this, that today's pornography is very extreme, very extreme, about 80 to 90 percent of it, depending on who you talk to, um, depicts strangulation, violence oh, against geez. women, um, um, really some some very deviant kinds of sexual activity, uh, even racial uh, or racist pornography, violent racist pornography, uh, that one of the top themes is teen rape. Uh, we're seeing on a lot of these pornography hubs where there, there, there's evidences now that, that some of the, the, the women depicted are actually children, teenagers, and even younger, and sex abuse are, are sex trafficked victims. So all this whole world of sexual exploitation goes together. There's a cycle of abuse. One fuels the other. And one of the reasons it's absolutely critical that we get the pornography laws enforced, because we have laws on the books. They're called obscenity laws. And enough is enough. We have been leading the way for years to get these laws aggressively enforced because it's not protected speech. It's not, it's illegal for pornographers and to, to make this content and to distribute it. And, 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 and kids have access to it. In fact, 22% of youth that are consuming this content are under the age of 10 years old. So we already now know that, that pornography literally changes your, rewires your brain. There, there is medical science that shows this. And particularly with young people, and, it's, and like you said, it's very, very hard to break out of. And, and this isn't your the, the pornography of yesteryears. This is very hardcore. So we are teaching a whole generation, two generations now, of young people, boys and girls. Girls are watching this, too, and are being taught to be porn ready and that being treated like this is okay and acceptable. And so it's just pornographic lies over and over and over again. So we need your help. We need Promise Keepers Men uh, to sign a petition uh, to DOJ to start prosecuting these laws. They haven't been prosecuted since John Ashcroft was attorney general. So, so this is really a, a big, big piece of this. Where do uh, they go to sign it? How do they do that? Go to enough.org and we have the petitions up on, on the oh, page. Oh, so they can go to your website and then uh, the thing that website. we need to 
and it's going right into the Department of Justice. Another thing we have done is we wrote the Children's Internet Safety Presidential Pledge. Donald Trump signed it last go round. Uh, Hillary Clinton supported it. Joe Biden has not signed it yet. We're trying, but we have governor's pledges. So if you have a relationship with the governor in your state, let's talk. You know, they can go to our site. They can sign a governor's pledge to enforce all the existing laws that are on the books. I mean, that would be huge. And to do other things as well, build public-private partnerships. So, Don, is there a way they can contact you through your website so that if somebody does want to talk with you, how do they do that? Uh, it's info at enough.org. But let me come back to the resources. We know that God can heal. And in, in instances of pornography addiction and men and women, boys and girls, they're through God and through the word and through bringing every thought captive over time, actually those the brain can be rewired, but it's a process, which is why we focus at Enough is Enough on prevention. And it's so important. And so we've got resources at our internetsafety101.org website, everything you need to know about keeping your kids safe on online gaming devices, on social media, on apps, on you name it. And, and it's so important because prevention is key. And you got to start early, like at three, four and five years old and start having conversations. Absolutely. Because kids are getting exposed very young. And remember, when you have a device, I was going to pick up my cell phone, but when you have a device, if it's internet connected, you get all the good and all the bad. So that's the same thing with an Xbox, a PlayStation, any of it. So the parent has got to, to know what to do to make sure that this device is safe. And it's going to depend on the age, really, of each of your kids. But we recommend that you use all the parental control tools, filtering, monitoring, time controls, and and then also take the common sense measures. And one of those is, is I'm just, I know I'm speaking to dads and granddads, is, is be the man, right? Model what healthy love is in your marriage. Model, love those kids, hold them, speak their love language so that they don't develop a love hunger, you know, and go someplace else. And they know the real deal. So when they see the lies, this all, uh, they're all over the culture that, that they go, no. And they understand the damage that this can do in the short term and, and the long term. So there, there's a lot to cover here, Ken, you know, that we don't have time to do. But I can just say this, that if, if the men of this country, if the Christian men of this country would start to take these things seriously, we could win the war. We can. We can win this war. We can. But we can't when men are asleep at the wheel. We just can't. Well, that's good advice. I used to take my daughter on dates all the time when she was little. She would put on her nice dress. She was like eight or nine years old. And then I would take her to Spaghetti Factory because that was her favorite place. And then we would drive down to the beach and I would read her Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, I read her The Hobbit. I read her Chronicles of Narnia. I tried to read her Lord of the Rings, but it was too complicated. And then she ended up reading it by herself when she was like 12. But the whole idea was so that my daughter would understand how you're supposed to be treated on a date. Because we would call these dates, you know, and and uh her mom would get her all ready and we would go down and we would go do this thing and we sit down in the truck and, and I just um, read to her. And so by the time she got to high school, she understood how a boy was supposed to treat her because 
fathers, man, um, your daughter's opinion of what love is and, and how she should be treated by a man that comes from you. And Coach Bill McCartney used to say all the time, the best thing that a, a man can do for his kids is to love their mother. And, yes. Um, Amen. Amen to that. And the same thing with the boys, you know, uh, helping them understand that, that these messages, because they're, even if you protect your children from being exposed to all of this, they're going to see it someplace else. Right. And if you understand the temptation um, to, you know, for, to go towards sexual immorality, which has been throughout cultures ever since the beginning of time, um, and help them to build those guardrails in those lo- in their lives. It's so important because the temptation is just huge right now. And and Ken, let me just say this: that w- with COVID, we were already looking at pandemic levels of child pornography. Um, two years ago, there were 69 million new images and videos of children under and many young as infants and toddlers being sexually abused and violated when COVID hit with e-learning and everybody at home and lockdown, guess who else is locking down the predators and the pornographers went up four times. Incidences of sexual traffic, sex trafficking went up 40%. Sexting by kids went up. That's when kids send videos and pictures of themselves nude or in a sexual situation went up 186 percent during the lockdown and and so that if we can understand that this is a spiritual war we we're not going to win the war in the culture even if it's getting the laws enforced and corporate responsibility and everything else if, if we're not winning the spiritual war and i think that's where it comes down to us as believers and to the second chronicle seven fourteen. You know, if my people, you know, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and recognize that these issues we've got to deal with inside the church community, in our families, in our marriages, in our communities. And then I really believe that God can bring about a great revival and God knows we need it. You know, when evil permeates a land, um, I mean, the most... The one we all point to is Nazi Germany, but there have been a lot of other examples. You know, you talk about Mao's China and you talk about um, Pol Pot and on and on. What it takes is a very small amount of the population who are the enslavers, the vicious, wicked, evil. And then it takes a whole lot of cowards who do nothing about it. And that's what allows evil to permeate. And right now, this is what we see. We have, you know, how many people are actual pornographers, A, a fairly small amount. Um, but the cowards who won't do anything about it, the consumers of that data, um, we need Christian men to start standing up for righteousness and stopping this. It starts with repent first of yourself if you've been into that. Then get help because repenting, you also need to seek out brothers and relationships, um, confessing your sins to each other and looking for materials like what you have to get healthy and then get involved. Start becoming a, a humble, gracious activist, extending the kind of grace to other people that you wanted to have extended to you, but also not backing down because this evil, it's, it's, it's getting worse and worse and it will continue to get worse yeah. until we, the men of God, stand up and do something about it. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. it impacts everything from trafficking because this pornography is driving the demand for trafficked victims. 
No, the United States, yeah, we're right. the top consumer of trafficked women and children. We are. We're number two in child pornography. We're number one in hardcore pornography. This is not a problem from overseas. This is a problem right here in the United States of America. And that's why we need our government leaders to stand up, our attorneys general, our president, our governors, our AGs, and corporate leaders. If you're a corporate leader and you have Wi-Fi in your place of business, filter it. Filter it from child pornography and, and pornography. Do it in the church. Guess what? You can go in most churches in the lobby or in the church uh, sanctuary, and you can log on to pornography if they don't have their Wi-Fi filters turned on. There is so much that you can do, and we are leading on all these issues. In fact, we got Starbucks and McDonald's to filter in all their stores in the United States, and we're after the churches next. And and um, But you can learn more about what you can do in a practical way to get involved. But just remember that you know, God will use your gifts and talents in these areas and starting with your own children so that they are not vulnerable and that they can come to you if something happens and that you're that trusted person that won't judge them and won't shame them and won't freak out. Mm, well, that's good stuff. So the first thing, everyone listening to this, when when you're done with this, get on to the website and on Don, I'm going to have you give it one more time and sign that petition for the DOJ. Let's mm-hmm. start being active right now. Give us your website one more time. Yes, it's enough.org, www.enough.org. And then all the internet safety information is at internetsafety101.org. Both of those have the resource center and everything's there that you need, really. I don't know how you got those domains. Those are pretty... That was pretty good. <laughs> well, we started uh, 1994. Yeah, so. I guess it helps to be early, doesn't it? It does. Hey, Donna, thank you. This was awesome. It's always great when we talk, and I'm really glad you were able to get all that information out here for everybody else. It's always an honor to talk thank to you. you. Thank you for having me, and God bless you. God bless all the men. We're with you, and all of us Christian women, we're just we're praying for you to rise up and be strong. We need you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On the Edge podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.